As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. It's not over yet. 270, that is the magic number needed to Democrat win. Democrat Joe Biden did flip Wisconsin. No clear winner yet. I wonder how much coffee everyone's had They're Trying right to now. cheat us out of it because they know it's their only path We the people. The president's campaign is suing to halt ballot counting. Americans voted in this election than ever it's before. It's no surprise that Wisconsin came down to such a close margin. Also requesting a recount in Wisconsin. Just wait and see. Standing by to stand by. The 2020 election is a wild ride that's not over. As of Thursday morning, we're waiting for results from four states. In the meantime, Wisconsin made its selection for president by half of one percentage point. Six Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire here with my colleague Brian Polson. Hi, Brian. Hi, Amanda. Today is Thursday, November 5th, and as we predicted, 48 hours after the election started, we still don't know who the next president of the United States will be. We're here this morning with Fox 6 political reporter Jason Calvi. And Jason, just before we started recording, you told me a very surprising thing. You told us that somehow the day after the election, you didn't even have a cup of coffee. How are you managing two days after this thing, the hardest working man in politics? Well, I, I have to. I, I was surprised that when when I was coming home, uh, going home from my live shots uh, yesterday for the afternoon shows, uh, that I, I was like, "Wait a minute! I didn't have a coffee today. What happened?" I, I think it was just the adrenaline of you know what was happening and not you know not knowing what was going to happen all day and just kind of waiting for those results to come in from Wisconsin and and just everything happening so so um, quickly yesterday with the states coming uh, releasing the results and and uh, the AP and Fox News both declaring. Uh, various states coming on, uh, coming up on the on the board here. So uh, just the adrenaline of not knowing and kind of waiting and the anticipation of it all, uh, I think got me through the day yesterday. But when I woke up today, definitely uh, was feeling uh, tired and and wondering when the weekend was going to be here. <laughs> so Jason, take me back to Tuesday night as the results are starting to trickle in. What's going through your mind? Because we've been talking this week about how it was very likely we would not know on Tuesday night who the next president of the United States will be. But I'd imagine it's quite a different thing to see that unfolding in real life. And unfolding in, in our state of Wisconsin. We, we knew, like as you said, Amanda, that we knew it was going to take time for these absentee ballots to be counted. 1.9 million record numbers of absentee ballots uh, filed in the state of Wisconsin. That includes both in-person people that voted early. That's an absentee ballot still. Um, and all these things have to be opened up. They have to uh, smooth out all, it's folded up in an envelope, right? So that there's poll workers that have to open them up, smooth them out so they can go through the machine. Before that, they're actually checking signatures or checking addresses. So there's a whole process with the absentee ballots, which is which is longer than when you just put your ballot in the machine at your local polling place. And you so can't count them until election day. And you can't, and you, in, in Wisconsin, 
one of the states where you cannot count absentee ballots until seven in the morning. That's when the polls open on election day. So we knew it was going to be a long day. We, 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 you know, but here in Milwaukee, the election commission, uh, executive director, Claire Woodall Vogue said she, she had predicted or estimated that she would finish the count around four in the morning on Wednesday overnight of election night. And guess what? They, they actually finished counting in the city of Milwaukee just around three in the morning. And then they finally brought all the, all, all the numbers on board with the county around four. So she was right on with how long it was going to take them to count all those absentee ballots in Milwaukee. Jason, we are here on Thursday and, and actually we're recording this at 840 in the morning. So uh, I, I'm well aware that some of what we're talking about now is going to be outdated in just a couple of hours when Nevada is expected to release another round of vote totals. They they aren't expecting to be done with their count until potentially even next week. They said they're going to be counting throughout the week, but they are going to release another set of results. And, and the nation is watching that closely because the way the Electoral College has played out now uh, it, you know, with Wisconsin having been called for uh, for Joe Biden, even though the president has now said that he's going to challenge that and ask for a recount, um, there there are very few states remaining to be called. And Nevada seems to be a key. Those six electoral votes based on the counts of the states that have been called would seem to give Joe Biden uh, the road to 270, would seem to give him that number. So we may know more by the time this thing actually is published than we know right now as we are recording it. But with that said, um, what can you tell us about the state of the presidential race right now and and, uh, sort of what's left to be decided? Yeah, so the magic number that the the future president is going to need to reach in electoral votes is 270, 270. And right now, as we're talking at 844, and of course, this could definitely be changed by the time you're listening to the podcast, but right now, 844 in the morning, 845 in the morning, uh, Joe Biden has 264. So he is six, he's six away from the Electoral College uh, victory here. The precise number of electoral votes in in Nevada, of course. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly. It all it all comes down to to winning these states. Now, uh, winning that state in particular, but for President Trump, he's got two hundred and fourteen electoral votes. So he's gonna. Re- I mean, there is still a path to victory for the president. Very. Uh, very difficult here, but he needs to pick up all of the remaining states that have not been called. He also has some things that he's trying out. Um, there's a couple lawsuits out there as well, but he's also, um, his campaign yesterday had said they were going to immediately file for a recount in Wisconsin, which I could talk about in a little bit. But so there, there, there is still a path to the White House for President Trump, though right now Joe Biden is very close, six six votes away from uh, from winning the Electoral College. Well, let's talk about that potential recount in Wisconsin, because our state has some very specific rules about when recounts are allowed. That's right. So so first of all, let's talk about the timeline for, for a recount. We're talking about weeks away, because right now what's happening is there there's this canvassing process. It's a, like a double checking of the vote totals. That will happen at the municipal level, so your your local city or town or village that they're gonna they're gonna be canvassing the results. Then they're gonna they, they turn it over to the county, and then again the county is gonna be looking at all these vote numbers and making sure that everything is squared away, that all those numbers are released. So what we what we're looking at right now, when if you come to fox6now.com and you look at the vote totals that show how many votes President Trump got and how many votes Joe Biden got, those are all unofficial results, and we we always say it they're unofficial. 
But this is the process of making those votes official, this canvassing at the local level and then at the county level. And as soon as the, count, the, the county um, sends their, their official results, once the, there's something called a board of canvassers, and I know this is getting into the weeds, but as soon as they send their results to the Wisconsin Elections Commission, uh, once the last county sends their vote totals, um, their official results to the state, then uh, a candidate who loses, who comes in n- number two, uh, within one point, w- within one percentage point, that candidate can file for a recount. So we're talking about um, pro- about two weeks away, roughly two weeks away. There's not really a hard and fast deadline here because it depends on when that last county submits their election results to the state. But we're looking at about two weeks away from now. That's the trigger point. And at that point, the losing candidate has three days, three days to file for a recount. So right now it's too early to say if indeed this recount will happen. Definitely the Trump campaign said they wanted to do it immediately. Well, they can't do it immediately, but the the, the soonest they could do it, and they only have three days to file that recount, will be in about roughly two weeks. Well, and former Governor Scott Walker, who is a Republican and has been pretty firmly in the Trump camp here over the last several years, even he said a recount would be an uphill battle for the Trump campaign, given the fact that we're talking about a 20,000 vote difference between Trump and Biden. While that is a narrow margin and is within the amount that's allowed uh, for a recount, as you said, Jason, we haven't in in the state's history had a recount where there was a a difference of 20,000 votes when the actual recount happened. Right. Yeah. Former former Governor Scott Walker, who was, uh, you know, Trump camp or is Trump campaign uh, chair here in Wisconsin, one of the chairs. Um, he said it was a high hurdle. I mean, you're talking about a 20,000 vote differential here between the two candidates right now. And uh, those that pretty much all the votes are in. So it's a 20,000 uh, diff- vote difference between the two. And and as you, as you said, in the past, when we in the most recent uh recounts that we've had. There was a recount in 2016. So at that point, Green Green Party nominee Jill Stein had filed and asked for a recount, which did happen in 2016. And um, another thing to note about the recount in 2016 and, and any recount that happens is the, the candidate, the campaign who's asking for the recount is the one who has to pay for it, unless it's a small enough margin, um, then, then the state will cover it. But right now, Trump is not there. So if, if they do file for a recount, they're going to have to pay for it. We're talking about a couple million dollars to pay for, for the recount, which is what Jill Stein paid back in 2016. So anyway, what happened after the 2016 recount was just a difference of a, 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 a hundred or so votes. So if you look at the last two recounts, we're talking about a couple hundred vote dif- difference between the, um, the first results and then the recount results. And, and Megan Wolf, the top election official in the state, the administrator of the Wisconsin Elections Commission yesterday said, what this shows is when we've had the recounts, it shows really the numbers on election night are very, very solid. And they've already been, as I said, they've gone through three steps of certification, both the local level, the county level and the state level. So she says that we really, you know, those numbers that we are seeing right now are, we can trust those numbers, even though it is the right of the president if he would like to, at least right now, he is within that uh, less than 1% difference between him and Biden. He can 
file for that recount if he if he wants to. Well, now, obviously, there are some things that are unusual about this election compared to the past because of the extraordinary number of absentee ballots, both mail-in and early voting. And so and just the extraordinary number of votes. So that margin swing that we've seen in the past, maybe it could be different. It is still it seems highly unlikely that there'd be a 20,000 vote swing. But you never know. And I guess we'll wait to see what happens with that. But it would be one thing to say we're hearing a lot. We're seeing a lot on social media. It'd be one thing to, to say that there are conspiracy theorists out there saying that votes have been stolen or people who are, you know, there's been widespread fraud. But what's extraordinary in this case is that it was the president of the United States on the night of the election who used the term they're stealing the election and has since continued to tweet and fan the flames, raising questions about whether or not the votes that are tallying up at the end against him are legitimate. And, of course, that is only encouraging a lot of uh, social media banter about this. Can you talk a little bit about the question, in particular here in Wisconsin, there are some saying that there were more ballots cast than there are registered voters, or in certain wards in Milwaukee, more uh, votes than voters. What do you know about that? What can you tell us in terms of actual facts uh, to dispel some of those myths? One of the things we, we heard uh, yesterday on the radio, uh, Rush Limbaugh went on the radio and said he had, had you know, there was a tweet that, that went out or a social media post that had gone out by, by somebody that had said there were more votes cast in Wisconsin than our registered voters. Now, that is completely not true. But anyway, Rush Limbaugh had said that there, he had re- reiterated this post that there were more votes cast in Wisconsin than registered voters. That's not true. Why is that not true? Well, Wisconsin right now has 3.6 million registered voters. And guess how many votes were cast on Election Day? Roughly 3.3 million. So less than the number of registered voters. Even if the numbers were the same, which they're not, uh, you, in Wisconsin, there is something called um, you know, in-person registration. You can, you can register to vote at your local polling place on election day. But again, these posts that said there were more voters in Wisconsin than are registered, that is not true. We're talking about things that are that are out there. So just be skeptical of some of these things that you see on social media because sometimes they are not true. And this is a perfect instance where it got not only from social media, but it got onto talk radio where millions of people across the country heard that story about Wisconsin that was not true. Another thing that was posted on social media by a TV host actually uh, a national TV host, he, he tweeted out that Wisconsin had stopped counting ballots on election night. Again, not true. We were there. There were live streams. Yeah, we well, in, in our team, we had reporters Bill Miston and Amelia Jones and Cassidy Williams. They were covering our the, the, the central count of absentee ballots in Kenosha and in Milwaukee. They were there all night long. The poll workers were there working throughout the night processing those ballots, opening up the envelopes, checking signatures, checking addresses, unfolding them, getting them wrinkle-free so they can go through the machines. That was happening all night long. And uh, the reason why, if you looked at the vote totals, I think the reason why people speculated that voting had, the, the counting had stopped in Wisconsin is because the numbers were static. Well, why were the numbers static? Because these central count locations cannot report their numbers until they are completely done counting absentee ballots. So in Milwaukee, every single absentee ballot needed to be counted before the city of Milwaukee could report what the absentee ballot results were. So then at three o'clock in the morning when the counting stopped, and then at four o'clock when it was reported at the county level, it did add a ton of votes to Joe Biden. So if you if you went to bed um, late on election night, it looked like President Trump was had a very commanding lead in Wisconsin. But then 
If you woke up at four in the morning, you would have seen this huge spike for Joe Biden. That's because these absentee ballots were added to the mix. And why were absentee ballots favoring Joe Biden? Republicans knew that going into the election, going into the election that they needed to have a very strong in-person count going into election night, uh, going into the, the wee hours of election night because those absentee ballots were gonna tilt for Joe Biden. Why? Well, think about it. If you look at the Marquette poll before election, back in October, something like 65% of those who planned to vote absentee were planning to vote for Joe Biden. And 56 or 58% of the state who was gonna vote in person on election day was gonna vote for Donald Trump. So it makes sense that once these huge numbers of absentee ballots were counted, 1.9 million across the state, that a lot of them were gonna be tilting the scales for Joe Biden. Secondly, why Milwaukee? was so important is because Milwaukee is a democratic stronghold. Uh, Hillary Clinton won the city by 76, she won 76% of the city back in 2016 and she was a very underperforming uh, candidate at that time. So if you add up those two numbers, the fact that 76% of the city is Democrat and then also the fact that 65% of those voting by absentee ballot, according to Marquette's poll, were gonna vote for Biden, that, that explains why those numbers, once they were finally allowed to be revealed at four in the morning, spiked the election for Joe Biden and he came out on top by 20,000 votes. Well, and this is why, this is exactly why it's so important for people to make sure they're following reliable news sources and reporters like yourself who see what's happening and are closely following what's happening and, and reporting the facts and separating fact from fiction here. Now, I know, Jason, there's obviously a huge emphasis on who's going to be the next president. But we still need to talk about some of these other races because, for example, here in Wisconsin, we're a heavily gerrymandered state. Whoever controls the state legislature gets to draw this next round of maps. So fight for control of the state legislature was a, a big issue on this ballot. Republicans wanted to have a veto. Uh, they wanted to be able to have a veto-proof majority so that they could override the Democratic governor's, uh, Tony Evers, his vetoes. And um, Democrats have been trying to claw their way back to controlling the legislature, which they haven't done in some time. So how did things shake out here in Wisconsin with that? Well, both sides have to be disappointed in what they expected to do. If you, if you remember earlier this year, the Republicans were, were th they needed three, th they needed to pick up three seats in both the Assembly and the State Senate to get to that veto-proof majority. And that was possible. I mean, there were some there were some seats that had opened up that were going to Democratic seat held seats that were opening up that Republicans actually uh, had a really good shot at winning. And so they, they thought they, that that was possible to get those three seats in each chamber. Democrats, on the other hand, have invested heavily in blocking that veto proof majority. And at the end of the night, Republicans did not get their veto proof majority. The, the, the status is going to stay about the same. And Democrats had really invested in the Milwaukee suburbs. They had pumped tons of money uh, into, into the suburbs. And uh, one of the things that we were watching is how those seats were going to play out. And Democrats had fielded candidates in those, in those areas. I was looking at the, you know, 2016 and, and 2018 even. And uh, many of those seats that were highly competitive this time, they didn't even have Democratic candidates running uh, in the previous, uh, uh, previous cycles. So Democrats were hoping to pick off some of these seats and, and they, did, they did pick up, like for example, former weatherman Jim Ott 
Um, he, he's gone, uh, but they did pick up his seat. He's a Republican. They, they, they were able to pick off his seat, but they didn't win, they didn't win a full uh, slate where they were hoping to win a lot of these Milwaukee sub- suburban seats. End of the day, the balance of power is going to stay. Republicans will continue to control the state Senate and the state assembly, but they will not get to that magic number to have a veto-proof majority. Um, so again, Democrats have to be very disappointed that they didn't pick off the whole Milwaukee suburbs as they were hoping, because a lot of those races were very, very close. And if you look at the most recent um, vote totals at the statewide level for statewide uh, races, um, Democrats have been doing very, have been progressively uh, doing better in those suburbs. And uh, end of the day, Republicans were able to continue to hold a very strong majority uh, in the assembly and also um, keep their majority in the Senate as well. And when you talk about the balance of power in the state at the state level, move to the federal level, and obviously there's also a, a struggle for battle of power in the United States House and particularly in the Senate. And when you look at this election as a whole, uh, obviously there have been sort of emotional waves for both sides. Uh, on election night, I think there were a lot of people who were uh, uh, vehemently anti-Trump who were feeling pretty down when it looked like Florida had gone his way, Texas had gone to uh, to President Trump, and, and were thinking that perhaps that uh, President Trump was going to hold on to the White House, and then they wake up Wednesday morning, and it looks like things have swung more toward Joe Biden. And we're still waiting for sort of the finality of that, but it looks like Joe Biden has the easier path right now to 270 as we wait for final numbers to come in in a few states. But there's not been necessarily widespread celebration about this being the blue wave election some hoped for. They thought this would be a repudiation of President Trump, that perhaps this would be a statement election and that the the Democratic Party could take control of the United States Senate. That's still up for grabs, but it's looking more and more like Republicans will hold on at least by a seat or two there. It's currently 48-48 with four seats that are undecided, but those four seats are all Republican incumbent seats, and only one looks like maybe it's a a likely uh, Democrat win. Two of them, though, are going to go to runoff. Uh, well, at least one will, possibly two in the state of Georgia, uh, because the, the winner there has to have at least 50% of the vote to avoid a runoff. So it may be weeks before we actually know who is going to control the U.S. Senate. But can you talk a little bit, Jason, about the importance of that in all of this and in, in, in sort of how this uh, election seems to have shown just a continued deep division in the country and not any overwhelming victory for either side. Right. And, and exactly. I mean, Democrats had for months, we've been talking about what Democrats had hoped to do if they won the White House and won the Senate. We remember, remember they're talking about, you know, questions about uh, packing the court. That's that is adding extra seats to the Supreme Court. Well, Republicans maintain control of the Senate. That is not happening. And if Joe Biden's a president, it's going to be contentious. I mean, if a Supreme Court uh, seat opens up in in the next uh, year, if if Joe Biden is the president, you're going to see, I mean, are Republicans going to keep that? What's going to happen? It's going to be, there's just so many questions about what's going to happen. But all those policies that have been talked about on the campaign trail, the Green New Deal, and Medicare for all, and all of these things that the progressive wing of the Democratic Party was hoping to to push forward. If they if they had uh, seized control of power, they would have the trifecta of the of the House and the Senate and the White House. Well, right now that's looks like it's not happening. And in fact, not only did they not necessarily win control of the Senate, they've lost ground in the House. Now Democrats are still going to have firm control of the House, but they've lost seats. It looks like six so far, and possibly as many as ten. Yeah, this, as you said, Brian, this was not the election that Democrats were hoping for. I mean, they were, 
they were very bullish that this was going to be a year where they were going to take control of the Senate. They were going to they were going to gain you know ten seats in the House. They were going to they were going to gain take control of the White House. They were going to win the Milwaukee suburbs and, and kick out a lot of these incumbent Republicans. Um, they did not get what they were looking for, and and and, and I think they, they, it's surprising for them. They were looking at the poll numbers. They were they were looking at they were even talking about winning Texas, uh, and, and that these things did not happen. So I think you know it also raises questions about the reliability of polls. Remember, ABC News had it was an outlier poll for Wisconsin. It had President uh, Trump losing to Joe Biden by 17 points. So I mean, there's just so many questions that are going to be coming now. Uh, so many people on both sides were expecting a landslide. When we talked to Republicans at, at the Trump rallies, President Trump rallies, they said, "Oh no, it's going to be a landslide. We're going to, you know, they were going to win big." And then you talk to Democrats; they were so confident that this was going to be a repudiation of President Trump that they were going to have a clear mandate of power. And at the end of the day, it is not. That is not happening today. Jason, besides who is going to be the next president of the United States. What questions are you looking to have answered over the next few days? We'll be looking at that recount. But again, as I said earlier, it's it's a two-week process until they can actually file officially for that recount in Wisconsin. If that happens, then we're going to have, we're going to be right back into election mode and, and monitoring those uh, the, how that process is going to play out at the at the statewide level if it does indeed happen. So that's one of the big questions. Um, just again, looking at how these lawsuits play out. There are several lawsuits, and uh, just a breaking news alert as we speak here at nine in the morning is the Trump campaign is going to be suing in Nevada alleging voter fraud. So there's just so many moving parts with the lawsuits. There's lawsuits in Michigan and Pennsylvania, and now it looks like Nevada as well. There's um, just so how do those lawsuits play out? What what are they trying to get? What are they asking the courts? Um, what do the courts decide? All these questions, and then and then finally, if if this road to the White House that looks like it's leaning very strongly, uh, not very strongly, but it is leaning to uh, possibly a President Joe Biden, how is that transfer of power going to work when there's still being allegations? The president's raising allegations that this is fraud and um, that they are stealing the election, as Brian told us. Uh, the president had mentioned. Um, if that's the case, how it, how is a peaceful transfer of power going to work? You know, when I asked the vice president about this, Vice President Pence, he said they just they wanted a fair election. You know, and if they're alleging that there's voter fraud, is is this a fair election? Now, and what are, what is the voter fraud? Right. What do they consider voter fraud? Yeah, like and and like people are commenting and and sending us messages and saying. Hey, there was more people that voted in, in Wisconsin than are registered. Well, that's not true. So what is the voter fraud? Show it to us. I mean, you guys, if somebody came to you with a, a true voter fraud story, I'm sure you would dig into that and try to try to find the truth there. But a lot of these things are false narratives that are being promoted on social media. So we really want to be careful here because we're talking about our democracy. We're talking about our nation. And right now we want to have the truth out there. And the truth is that 3.3 million people voted in Wisconsin. There are 3.6 million that are registered. 3.6 million that are registered. You've got to be very careful with what you're seeing out on social media. Well, right and now. I'll say this, Jason, as an investigative reporter, I've been covering elections and I've been covering politics for a long, long time. And I have done stories about actual cases of election fraud. It happens. It's out there. It's uh, the, the question is, does it happen in the kind of numbers and with the kind of volume, number one, that can actually swing or affect an election? And when it's a razor thin margin, you have to really look seriously. Is there something there? And, and these recounts and lawsuits will determine if there's evidence sufficient to prove anything like that. 
Um, wild speculation and, and conspiracy theories don't help because they're not based on anything factual or evidentiary. They are feelings mostly. And, and people have a lot of strong feelings right now with the results of this election one way or the other. The, the question and what's difficult with anything like election fraud is most of it comes down to the structural uh, situation you have when an election is conducted because the question is whether or not there's been an opening left for the kind of fraud that's undetectable or unprovable. And, and, and prosecutors who deal with things like this, there's a particular assistant district attorney in Milwaukee County uh, who for a long time has prosecuted election fraud. And he's told me that they're very, very difficult cases to prove. Uh, you may have some of the elements, but just not all of the elements to prove something beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's in an isolated case. So to be able to prove fraud on a broad scale, extremely difficult, probably highly unlikely. So while you may have a lot of talk and a lot of speculation, it it is it is not likely you're going to find a smoking gun with widespread fraud that's going to be verifiable, prosecutable, that's going to reverse any decision. Absolutely, if someone has evidence of specific fraud that they can bring to us, we will investigate and and we'll do the best we can to bring as that we to the do for attention. any claim people bring as we to do us. for any claim. It's just it's a very difficult subject to to verify. And that is quite honestly why there are some who fight so hard to push for certain rules, security restrictions and other things on elections uh, because they want to make sure that undetectable fraud doesn't get through. But, you know, there there's always the balance between how secure you make an election and how accessible you make voting. And, and both are extremely important things. And that's one of the issues that came up over and over again with the voter ID question. How secure do you make an election versus what uh, what is the consequence of disenfranchising those who maybe are then pushed out of the process because they don't have access to that security. So it's 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 an ongoing question that won't just affect this election. But I, I don't think we're going to see in the long run um, any widespread fraud that is verifiable that's going to swing any of these results. The real question is going to come down to more likely if there's a recount or in the canvassing process. Were there a whole bunch of ballots that were, you know, somehow missed in the process? Were they miscounted? Were they mistabulated? Um, there have been things like that that have happened that have swung a certain number of votes, maybe a few hundred. Highly unlikely in our historical uh, experience that we're going to see a 20,000 vote swing. But again, this is 2020. Never say never to anything. Yeah, and remember in 2011, they're, they're in the canvassing process, and this is something that Scott Walker had brought up, in, uh, in, in the canvassing of the 2011 Supreme Court race, uh, the Waukesha County clerk had failed to add in the city of Brookfield's votes. So you're talking about the city of Brookfield, which at least 56% of the, that county, just to give you an idea, or 56% of that city in 2016 voted for Trump. So it's a, it's a Republican city, uh, though it is, you know, leaning, or, you know, Democrats do have a, a showing there as well. Um, but the, 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 the ballots were not, were not added to the count. So, um, you know, so there, that was, that's all part of that triple checking that happens at the statewide level, both at the city level, then at the county level and at the state level. And then in that process, they found out, oh, oops, forgot to add in Brookfield. And so that did add some votes to, to the total. I want to wrap something up before we go here because we talked about the myths. And I will tell you that I, I had I saw on Facebook today someone claiming that very thing about the city of Milwaukee having seven wards that had more voters vote 
than there were registered voters. Um, and, and I thought that's specific, seven wards. I wonder what their source of information is. So I asked this person who I'm not going to identify, can you tell me what your source is? I'd like to know about that. I'd like to discuss it on, on the podcast we're going to have today. And, and that person sent me a link to the source. The source was a website called noqreport, I think it is, .com. I don't know what no Q report is. I'm not familiar with it. I can see from the website it's a conservative-leaning website. It seems to be new. Is that disinformation? Is it just, you know, they didn't cite the source in the story. If they have a source, I'd like to review it. The only source I've been able to review is the Milwaukee County election results, and they don't show any wards in the city of Milwaukee that had greater turnout than uh, than 100 percent. They they have a lot that were in the 90s. And in fact, actually, it was the suburbs in Milwaukee County that had the highest turnout. Uh, city of Franklin had several wards that were in the high 90s, Whitefish Bay and some others. So and Wisconsin tends to have high turnout. Yeah. And this was an unusual. This was an election unlike any other. I mean, that is extraordinary turnout. No question. Having a lot of wards that are 90 plus percent in a previous election might have raised some questions. Um, in this election, with the sh- the sheer number, the 1.9 million uh, ballots cast even before election day, I think 90 plus percent. There was a lot of interest in this election, a lot of attention. Um, I, I don't know that that's surprising. I think it just says there was a tremendous amount of, of attention. But what I did not find was any evidence in those numbers that there are wards that, that reported more than 100 percent turnout. I don't know where No Q Report gets its information. I wish they would have linked to it in their in their story. And I, I encourage people who are reading these things in the coming days, no matter where you're reading information, ask what their source is. Do they include the source there so that you can go verify it for yourself? Are you familiar with the name of this website? Is it a reliable uh, uh, entity? And again, do they source the information? Because if they're just giving you numbers that you can't verify or information that you can't verify on your own, at least be suspect of that before you go and share it broadly with a lot of other people. And I think I'm going to probably leave that thought right there. An easy way to make sure you're getting correct information is just to listen to Fox 6 political reporter Jason Calvin. And open record, obviously, right? Yes, there we go. All right. Well, we're going to continue bringing you these twice weekly episodes of Open Record as we cover. Well, guys, the pandemic isn't over, by the way, for those who said, well, once Election Day is here, the pandemic will go away. No, it's still here. So we'll cover that. We'll cover the ongoing presidential election and fallout, police community relations and so much more. If there's a topic you want us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. That is Fox, the number six investigators at Fox.com. Thanks, Jason, for joining us today. I hope you get a cup of coffee. (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. And as always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record. If you haven't done that already, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we will be back with our next regularly scheduled episode on Tuesday. Tuesday.